Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift you have given us in Christ Jesus. As we come before your word this morning, we ask that we are convicted of sin, we are comforted by the hope in Christ Jesus, we are sanctified by your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today is the first day of Advent, December 1st. Advent means coming or arrival. And the tradition of an Advent season actually started around 480 A.D. And traditionally, by the way, it's a time of penance, a time of fasting. The color for Advent is purple, right? Got the purple tie today. We have the purple candles. It speaks of the royalty of Jesus, the King. Now, using a wreath, by the way, for Advent candles started somewhere before the 1500s, before the Reformation. And so the candles on the wreath, and you also notice that there is a pink candle. The pink candle is the third Sunday of Advent. It's the halfway point. And it is pink because there is often the reading from Philippians, which says, Rejoice, the Lord is at hand. So the pink Sunday, the pink candle is called Gaudet Sunday, and it stands for Rejoice, Latin for Rejoice. By the way, the white candle, do you know what the white candle is? That's the Christ candle. And that's lit on Christmas Day and then for the 12 days of Christmas. So December 25th through January 5th. Now, many people wonder, by the way, what's the theme for Christmas or for Advent? You know, it seems that most churches have Advent themes. And indeed, we do have Advent themes. Our Advent theme this year is hope, preparation, rejoice, and assurance. None of these are set in stone. Having an Advent theme is a new tradition. As a matter of fact, if you go on some websites, I found one website that had 15 different themes that you could use for Advent. This is the theme that we are doing this year. Now, the Advent season, though, is really one that ties the past, the present, and the future. The arrival of Jesus. Not only his first arrival, we remember that, but also his second coming. So just as I talked about last week with the celebrations, the feasts that we have, that it is the past, the present, and the future, today we also have Advent, our Advent season, where we look to the past, we are grounded in the present, and we have assurance and our hope in the future promises given to us in Christ Jesus. He alone is our Advent hope. So for our Advent season, the main texts we're going to use are all from the Old Testament because Advent just didn't spring out of nowhere. It was actually fully prophesied from the Old Testament. So our reading today, we begin with Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You have to know that during this time, it was a very tumultuous time in Israel, in the nation of Israel. Kings went, kings come, kings go. There's wars that are abounding. There's captivity of the Israelites. So the situation here in Isaiah chapter 61 is very real. It's not just a reading, but it had a very real meaning to the people of that time. If you take a look at the conditions of the nation of Israel, the people were brokenhearted. They were captives, truly, literally, physically captives in prison and in mourning. See, the words back then for the nation of Israel often apply to many of us here today. Now, many people in our community, many people here today even, might be brokenhearted or might be captive by something in their life. Could be in a spiritual prison. And I know many people are in mourning. As a pastor, I have never met somebody who is not broken in some way. So the words of Isaiah to the nation of Israel apply to us here and now. So we're going to take a look at these conditions and then find our hope in Christ Jesus in each one of these. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now, that word brokenhearted has a depth to it that we normally don't talk about. It means crushed in spirit. It means in despair. It means sometimes an emotional pain that is so great, it hurts the heart. So imagine, by the way, if you were in the nation of Israel and that you were taken from your homes, that you were put in captivity that you were persecuted, that you might have been flogged, that you might have seen your loved ones killed right before your very eyes. Now, for us here and today, here in Fountain Hills, that seems pretty extreme. But if you were here during this series on the churches in Revelation, the seven churches, I talked about the persecution of the church. I gave some examples. One man who wrote to his fiancée that says, if you want to marry me, Know that I'm going to follow Jesus, and if I follow Jesus here, I'm going to be put in jail. Are you sure you still want to marry me? And she said, yes. Now, since that series ended, I've come across various other articles. One article talked about a church in China, 3,000 members church. It seated 3,000 people. The government started to tear down the church while they were in there worshiping. The pastors were taken because they were said to have gathered a crowd to disturb social order. This persecution, this brokenheartedness is throughout Christianity. It's here today in Fountain Hills as well. 
not necessarily the persecution that we have, that our brothers and sisters have. That's the extreme. We don't have that right now. But it's on the forefront. It's on the forefront. But the brokenheartedness, again, talks about many different things. Pastor Rick and his wife Cheryl, their house burning down, really on the night of Thanksgiving, right? Between Thanksgiving night and that morning, to have their house totally destroyed, they had put on Facebook page that they were devastated beyond words. That's that brokenheartedness. I've known people who have cried so much that they can't cry anymore, that they, they have no tears that are left. So is there hope? Is there hope for our brothers and sisters around the world, for the people right here in this community, for the people here in this church? And the answer is yes. Throughout Scripture, we find that God, our Lord, is close to those who are brokenhearted. Psalm 34, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 147, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen by the Lord God giving us platitudes saying, there, there, don't worry, everything will be all right. Actually, when you look in the face of Jesus, when you sit with him, look in his face, you know our Savior is one who has suffered as well. He has suffered greatly. And so he knows your suffering, each and every one of you. It was interesting in our Bible reading, uh, Bible study in Luke. We're near the very end, end of Luke, and we're near the crucifixion. So we took a little time out, and we looked at Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. And it seemed somehow appropriate this morning, talking about brokenhearted, crushed in spirit. This is from Isaiah chapter 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. Now, it might seem kind of odd to bring up this reading, which is, from Good Friday, we often read this on Good Friday, right? To speak about this during Advent season. Isn't this about the little baby Jesus? Now this is about Christ Jesus, our Lord and King, who has come to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus was born, he lived and died to bear our sins so that you and I would be healed. And we are given that hope in Christ Jesus and the proclamation of his word. God again and again proclaims this good news to each one of us. If you take a look at our reading from today, that word proclaimed is in there. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Look, you and I again and again need to hear the good news proclaimed to us. Most of the world doesn't stop to hear the good news 
But it seems that during Christmas, there's that one point where most people stop and they do hear a proclamation of good news. And it is when the angels proclaim to the shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know the, the show uh, Charlie Brown Christmas? You've seen that one? Where Linus explains the meaning of Christmas and pretty much ends with this proclamation. Did you notice that he doesn't hold his blanket? He always holds that blanket of comfort, doesn't he? But when, he, when he's proclaiming the good news, he doesn't need that blanket. Because the comfort and hope is in the words of God. Jesus proclaimed good news. He said to his disciples, take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, for you who are brokenhearted, for you who are downtrodden, for you who are crushed in spirit, look to me. Look to me. I've overcome the world. I have suffered and I've overcome. And in me, you find your hope. You find your comfort. You find your strength. Do you remember what he said when there was a time of mourning and brokenheartedness at the grave of Lazarus? He was speaking to Martha, right? And what did he say? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you remember last week we talked about I am? That I am the bread of life? Now he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Not I was at one time, or I used to be, or I will at some point in time, but I am the resurrection and the life. Continually, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That is the good news. That is the proclamation that Jesus gives to each one of us. And we cling in faith to that proclamation of good news. The words of Christ Jesus are our hope. He proclaims liberty to the captives and an opening of the prison to those who are bound. Just as the Israelites were in physical captivity, they were also in spiritual captivity. Captivity is both physical and spiritual. Let me tell you about a man, Nick Viajic. He was born without limbs. And uh, growing up was very, very hard. He couldn't take care of himself. He couldn't walk. He couldn't bathe himself. Uh, he was greatly depressed. He was suicidal. He even tried to kill himself, which is pretty hard when you don't have any limbs. He does actually have on his uh, right hip kind of a foot flipper, so to speak, almost. But that's it. And he thought, there is no purpose in life. Does life even have a purpose? He was that depressed. 
And then he came to faith in Christ Jesus. And he found a liberating message of freedom in Christ Jesus. And so now he goes around the world and he gives inspirational talks and he speaks about the love and the hope and the liberation in Christ Jesus. I've watched a number of his videos. They're online. If you want to, too, I would encourage you to do so. His ministry is called Life Without Limbs. So in one of those videos that I watched, he was speaking to prisoners in a prison, a state prison in Texas. And he related to those prisoners a story, something that happened to him. He was in a different prison, and he was going along the prison cells, offering words of encouragement. And as he got to one cell, one man grabbed him by the shirt and brought him up to the bars. Now, this is pretty scary, because, right, he has no limbs. He has no way to even pull back at all. But Nick, he, but he said this, he said, Nick, go around the world and tell my brothers who are behind prison bars for life that there is hope. And tears started to come down his face. He said, Nick, do you see these wardens? Do you see these guards? Do you see these staff? Nick, they get to go home. They get to have a cooked meal. They get to see their kids. But Nick, when I look in their eyes, they don't know Jesus. When I see their eyes, they don't know Jesus. They don't know to go to, they don't know that they can go to heaven. They are more prisoners there than I am behind bars. He says, Nick, you gotta go tell everybody about the freedom in Christ Jesus. That there is something greater than their circumstances, something greater than their limitations. He said, Nick, Even though I'm behind bars, I tell everybody about Christ Jesus. And I want to use my last last breath to tell them how to go home to be with Christ in heaven. You see, even though that man was behind bars, he had more freedom than almost everybody else. And he was filled with hope. That's the hope you and I have in Christ Jesus. That's the freedom you and I have. Now it also says in our reading to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What is the year of the Lord's favor? That's the Jubilee. The Jubilee in which all debts were canceled. And now you were debt free. Most of us think of it as some kind of a pardon. And in Truth, it is a pardon of the debt, but it is more than that because we often think when somebody's pardon, right, a criminal's pardon, that they're still guilty. They just don't have to pay the penalty anymore. But with the year of the Jubilee, you and I are totally forgiven. We're not guilty anymore. Let me give you an example here. There was a young man who worked in a small town in a grocery store, and he, the owner caught him stealing from the grocery store. And so the owner said, I forgive you, but you may never step foot in this store again. And the young man thought about it and said, that's not forgiveness You're pardoning me, 
but I still must bear all of that guilt. I want to be restored to the full relationship I had with you. I want the full forgiveness. See, you and I, in Christ Jesus, our debt is completely wiped out. We are completely forgiven. And that's the good news of the gospel. You know, we've been singing the song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. That song, my chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, ransom me. That's the good news proclaimed. The gospel announces that Christ has won over victory over everything that has held us captive. All of your sin, your pride, your arrogance, your hatred, your pettiness, your selfishness, everything that goes with being a human being in Christ Jesus is forgiven. You're not just pardoned and still guilty. You're pardoned and set free. As it says in John chapter 8, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is what's being proclaimed, by the way, in Isaiah. This is what Jesus proclaimed in the Gospel of Luke. We look to the good news the Gospel proclaimed to us that you and I, you and I in Christ Jesus are set free. That's our hope that we have. Now let's go to mourning. Those who mourn in Zion to, to, give them, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Just as I've spoken about, the mourning that they had was not just about the physical persecution that was going on with them. It also had a spiritual component to it, a great spiritual component to it. Just as Jesus said in Matthew, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. He wasn't talking about simply those who are mourning about their physical state. He was speaking about those who mourn over the spiritual state of sin. Remember, this is why Advent is also a time of penance, a time of fasting, a time of reflecting on our spiritual state. When you think of mourning, especially you go to funerals, right? People are dressed in black. In the days of the Old and the New Testament, it talks about sackcloth and ashes. So people would literally tear their clothes. They would, instead of the nice clothes, they would wear the sackcloth with actually very coarse clothing. You know, think of burlap. In this case, it would have been uh, often made out of goat's fur, goat hair. So it would very rough on the skin. They would take off their shoes, which, you know, that was pretty rough walking. They would take off any headdress. They would often cover themselves in dirt or in ashes. And this was the outer expression of what was going on on the inside. Now, again, during funerals, we wear black. 
it used to be in the days, do you remember the days where people would wear a black armband for a, a long time sometimes, sometimes even a year, to express their mourning? So you could tell that there was an outer mourning going on. But here in Isaiah and in the Gospel of Luke, it talks about how the mourning will be replaced because salvation has begun. That what has happened now and how the nation of Israel is mourning, how you and I mourn, how the world mourns, will be replaced in Christ Jesus with garments of praise. So what it says this in Isaiah chapter 61, just a little bit past our reading, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, for my soul shall exalt in my, exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with robes of righteousness. You know how clothes make the man, right? That old saying, when you got a new suit, you stand up a little straighter, or you've got a new dress or a new outfit, you just feel a little bit better, you feel renewed. Here, going from clothes of mourning to garments of praise to the robe of righteousness, you and I are clothed and made new. We are made new. We are dressed in the garment of salvation. We are dressed with the greatest clothing you could ever have. It is a heavenly robe. It is sewn together with the wool of God, the Lamb of God. It is laced together everlasting, embroidered with the name of Jesus Christ. And you are given a new name in that robe, and your name is redeemed. And this robe is from everlasting to everlasting. Just imagine for a moment your dress that you are wearing now, now given a robe of righteousness, a garment of salvation, the very gospel message. Is that not comfort? Is that not hope? So what about you today? Look, none of us escape the bumps and bruises of life. And sometimes the hardships are so difficult, so discouraging, that you and I just want to quit. That there is brokenheartedness, spiritual captivity, loneliness, and fear. And so this Advent season, I want you to cling in faith to the words that were given to us in Christ Jesus. The assuredness of what is given to us in Christ Jesus. Look, the Christian hope is not mere wishful thinking. It's not simply mere mat uh, platitudes. It is the confident assurance found in the proclamation of the gospel. It is the hope that proclaims to us the good news that Jesus has come and made a way for us to be with God through his forgiveness of our sins. His coming changes everything. That was proclaimed in Isaiah. That was proclaimed in Luke. It is proclaimed here today. For what did Jesus say? He said, today, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
This is not something from far long ago, but this is a proclamation for today, for you here and now. Christ Jesus is our hope. He is our eternal, everlasting life. And for this, we give thanks and praise. Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. Dot com.